What's up, what's up, everybody? This is L. Jamal, so that only means one thing. It's time for Never Out of Bounds. Let's get right into it. we got an array of things to talk about today, so let's get into it. The Chicago police is currently under scrutiny for using bait trucks. Last week, a video surfaced on social media, I'm sure a lot of y'all saw it, uh, shows community members questioning a group of policemen about an unmarked uh, truck in their neighborhood. Activists and residents are claiming the truck was filled with designer shoes and was left open to entice uh, younger men into stealing. Now, the police are insisting that this was done to prevent theft at a local rail yard, uh, and they wanted to stop looting the freight trains there. Now, bait, tra- uh, bait trucks in general are not new. Uh, they've been going around at least, I would say, since the 1980s in Los Angeles, and that's what uh, proliferated the gun violence there. Uh, definitely, this is something that is not new. It's definitely, it, and in this modern era, they do it with, you know, not necessarily guns, but they do it with merchandise goods. They pretty much uh, leave a truck open, and they allow people to take from it, not knowing that it's under surveillance and things are and or and or things are tracked. So people eventually get apprehended. Hence the word, hence the name bait truck. Now, uh, the truck was used, this is according to police, and also the Norfolk Southern Railways, which is the, you know, the railway company, of course. Uh, they insisted this was a joint surveillance effort between the both of them, uh, like I said before, to prevent uh, crime um, on, their, and their, on their business. But my question to that would be, how far away was the truck from the actual rail yard? And B, how close was it to this, these people's neighborhood? That'll that'll answer that question right there. If 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 it was to prevent crime at the rail yard, wouldn't it be at or somewhere near the rail yard, as close to the rail yard as possible? That doesn't make any sense to me. If it's, I'm not gonna say it's smack dab in these people's neighborhood, but if it's you know accessible by people just you know happening running around, then to me, you know. But of course, you know the police are gonna say, well. If you're not stealing it, then you're all right. You know, they're going to sit there and say that bullshit. But, I mean, let's not make it that, that you know, I, I think police are making it a little bit, they're a little bit sloppy. And I don't know, maybe it's, you know, because of what's going on in Chicago right now. They're trying everything and everything to get people, I don't know, I guess under control. But that's the wrong way to go about it. That don't make no sense. And if if you ask me, it was trying, it was, it, it was a bait truck. They can say what they want. It sounds it sounds nice, but again, how, my question would be: How close was it to the actual, um, the the railroad and actually the, the actual area that was under you know so much death in the first place? Put it in the put it in the exact area, or you know, if it was any if it was any any type of distance away from the actual railway or the actual area in question that was so much you know that there was so much a hotbed of being theft in, then I have a very then I then I'm, I'm sorry I have my reservations. I, you know, um, I don't I don't really believe. <laughs> Just in my opinion, I think it's a little bit of a setup, but uh, we're gonna drop that for now. And speaking of drama. Tokyo's medical university is under immense fire, not only in their country, but internationally for deliberately marking down test scores for female students, keeping them out of keeping many of them out of the medical field. Uh, The local uh, newspaper, the Yamuri, reported the university systematically kept the females to less than one third of the student body. That's sick. I'm sorry. That's not cool. Not in this modern era. 
sorry, I don't, I don't mess with that. I'm not necessarily a feminist per se, but that I'm not with either. So, anyways, the education ministry will also conduct investigations into into, uh, into cases of sexism at other medical schools as well, and I think just schools in general. Even on top of that, the school admitted to changing women's test scores for the past ten years. Investigations showed the last scores. Uh, I'm sorry. The invest uh, investigation showed the test scores for the first stage applicants were dropped by twenty percent overall. But males were given an extra 20 points. 38% of women passed exams in 2010, but only 18% of them passed this year. That sucks. That's why do people still do? Why is there still racism? Why does sexism still exist? I don't know. Don't ask me. You know why? Because I'm not the one doing it. Look at your university, people. Don't stop looking at the common dude as your enemy feminist. Thank you. It's obvious it's not us. It's, it's, it's the people in charge. Hello. Stop fucking with us. We're not your enemy. We're not your enemy. This is what this tells me. Y'all messed up. Go back to the drawing board. Go. 21% of doctors in Japan are women. See, again, we have nothing to do with that. We are either the patient or another doctor. Sorry. We didn't run the rules. We didn't make the rules. That was that group. We didn't do that. Again, that's people in power. That means somebody should have been electing somebody in the education ministry. I don't know how y'all politics work. Y'all missed the boat on that. It's not my problem. Sorry. It sucks that we benefit from it, but I'm not going to turn out a job, though. I wouldn't. But anyway, and this is a this is another negative mark against Japan. They rank 114th of 144th in terms of gender equality, which sucks, which that's, that's trap. But then that's just how the, the institutions are run. That's more so a reflection of what people allow to be voted in or elected, hired. You gotta be paying attention because that's what they doing. That's what the, the upper classes and the ruling parties do. They start splitting things up on race they are sexist obviously um they're against you know whatever special interest you might be so i at this point japan i would try to get your people those people out of there uh try to restart your education not necessarily restart your education system but make some definite changes um because it should be an even playing field that's for sure I definitely believe in that. I believe more in equity than necessary equality. Uh, we all need to be having the same uh, starting point from the beginning um, and then be able to go from there. And whoever, you know, then it should be some type of meritocracy. But um, to be to, to purposely change people's test scores in order to not to allow them to not graduate or, you know, attain, attain some type of employment, that, that shit's not cool. I don't ride with that either. But again, it's it's reflective of the ruling power, of the ruling class. Uh, common man should stand by the woman in a situation like this. But in order to buck that system, it's not about. Um, and unfortunately, men, um, on the on that level, do you know, they benefit from that in the sense of okay, they pretty much are allowed to graduate unless they fail the test multiple times. Then they, you know, then they're squal uh, they're disqualified in in Japan. But um, for the most part, they do seem to be benefiting, which, which unfortunately it, it's a part of the, of, of what happens, but you know, 
we should still be trying to make sure that they're still taken care of in terms of their, their ability, ability to be able to graduate. There's a lot of students. There's two examples that I read about. The women had exemplary uh, grades, but again, when it came down to the final exam, somehow they didn't pass it. That doesn't make any sense. You know, we can't be doing that anymore either. But at the same time, blaming the blame game, which is what the feminists will try to do, it's not going to work either. So I'll leave it on that. We're going to take a break and we're going to get into some sports. All right, y'all. I'll be back. All right. We are back. And we're going to get into some NFL news. Last night, we had some preseason action. We had a couple games on tap, uh, the first being the Jets and the Falcons. Uh, the Jets uh, came out on top 17 to zip. Let's go through these stats a little bit. And in terms of passing, uh, both of the Jets quarterbacks had great games. Uh, the rookie, Sam Darnold, with 13 for 18 for 96 yards and a touchdown. Teddy uh, Bridgewater also performed well, 7 of 8, 85 yards and a touchdown. Uh, in terms of rushing, uh, the leading rusher for the Jets was Trenton Cannon. He went, uh, he went for 40 yards on 11 carries. And in terms of receiving, uh, Charles Johnson led the way, three recoveries, 45 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Neil Sterling had four uh, four catches for 38 yards. And the running back, Isaiah Correll, also had a recovery for 16 yards and also touchdown as well. Now, in terms of defense for them, J.J. Wilcox led the way with five tackles. And also, Nevin Hewitt did pretty well with four tackles. Now, in terms of uh, Atlanta, they, they didn't really do that that well uh, tonight or last night uh, in terms of offense. Of course, they got shut out. But let's get into those stats. Uh, the rookie, Kurt Binker. Got uh, the majority of the snaps, going 9 for 17 for 125 yards, but he got an interception. Uh, Matt Schaub, the uh, the veteran, the real veteran of the squad, 9 for 9, perfectly, uh, 54 yards in total. Now, Matt Ryan, he only played for a little bit. He went 1 for 1 for negative 2 yards. I guess they realized, look... We're not going to embarrass you today. We'll just wait till the season starts. <laughs> Anyways, in terms of rushing, the rookie Malik uh, uh, Malik Williams, he got the start. Uh, he got six carries, 19 yards on 3.2 yards per carry. So that Jets defense, it doesn't seem to be taking a step off. I'm not too sure what's going to happen with that offense, but that defense sure hasn't taken a step back. Uh, Receiving-wise, uh, another rookie, Devin Gray, led the way with four uh, catches, 83 yards. And in terms of defense, the safety, DeMonte uh, Kazir, he led the way with nine tackles. All right, so uh, we also had another preseason game, like I said. We had Detroit taking on my Raiders. And uh, Oakland came out on top 16-10. to 10. This, is, uh, this is John Gruden's first appearance in Oakland since uh, being – Tampa Bay's head coach and whooping us in the Super Bowl. So it's all funny how everything, I guess, comes full circle. Uh, let's get into the stats of this game. Uh, let's go through the uh, let's go through the Tigers. I mean, I'm sorry, the Lions first. Uh, in terms of passing, uh, Jake, uh, sorry, Jake Reddick got the start. Uh, former Michigan QB. He went 12 for 19 for 84 yards. Matt Castle played a little bit as well, going for 10 for 18, 81 yards. Uh, in terms of rushing, Carrion Johnson, he led the way here. Seven carries, 34 yards, 4.9 yards a carry, almost five yards a carry. LeGarrette Blunt also got some carries as well. Five for 21 yards, 4.2 yards a carry. And Amir Abdullah, he got the lone touchdown. He went for about 16 yards though, uh, but he went for 4.4 uh, yards, I'm sorry, four yards 
yards to carry. So good four yards to carry is pretty good. That's halfway. That's halfway to a first down. Um, that's pretty much almost five yards, especially in Carryon Johnson's uh, uh, case. Excuse me, and he can catch the ball as well. I'll get into some of his uh, passing ca- uh, stats as well. But um, in terms of receiving. For the Lions, uh, Brandon Powell led the way with five recoveries, 34 yards. And like I said, Kerry Ann Johnson had four catches. He had 34 yards. So maybe he's a fantasy sleeper for some people. I'm definitely looking at him to see what he can do uh, because four yard, uh, four catches and 33 yards and with seven carries, 34 yards. You give him a tug, that's a decent Almost 12 point out, and I think in fantasy football, so that's worth a look. Um, in terms of defense, Roland uh, Milligan led the way with five tackles. Uh, we have Frank Bishop also get four tackles, and Deshaun Sneed, uh, the cornerback, got four tackles as well. Their kicker, Ryan Santoso, also got them a field goal as well. Uh, but in terms of the Raiders, like I said, they were able to get the win today. Uh, Con- uh, win last night, excuse me. Connor Cook led the way in terms of passing, 11-19 overall, 141 yards and a touchdown. Uh, EJ Manuel and uh, Derek Carr also saw snaps as well. In terms of rushing, Chris Warren the third led the way, 13 carries, 86 yards. That pretty much uh, summed up everything for the Raiders in terms of rushing. Uh, it looks like they can move the ball uh, for the most part. Uh, like I said, they scored so they can definitely protect the quarterback looks like a little bit for now at least in terms of receiving Johnny Holton led the way with 41 yards in total Jalen Rashard also got 40 uh, sorry four catches with 35 yards uh, but Wine Switzer was able to get the lone touchdown he had 16 yards altogether but again he got the touchdown now in terms of defense Nick Nielsen the rookie cornerback led the way with five tackles also we had the linebacker Kyle Wilbur uh, helped get four tackles as well Dexter McDonald another cornerback also got four tackles as well and Pretty much throughout the board, everybody on the Raiders defense got tackled. So defensively, it was a solid game there. And our rookie kicker, Eddie Panera, went three for three for field goals. Uh, He also got a, a, sorry, a field goal in the fourth quarter as well. So he looks to be solid there. Overall, uh, what I could take from this game uh, is definitely that. The Raiders should be able to run the ball. I'm not too sure um, what Marshawn Lynch is looking like. I don't. Yeah, I don't think he played too much last night. Um, Doug Martin did see some action, of course, as well. Not a whole lot, but it'll be interesting to see how we progress. Definitely, I would say. Uh, just being able to run the ball. Yeah, I, I think it'd be interesting. But I definitely like Jalen Rashard's performance. Uh, he did get some running yards as well. I think he got somewhere within the lines, about 30-something yards. And uh, he also got some recoveries as well, some catches as well. So, again, another fantasy sleeper maybe. You know, uh, definitely running backs that can uh, catch and run a little bit. Definitely undervalued and will definitely carry value in fantasy football. So if anybody is into that, I will look at that as well. I will look be looking into Jalen Richard and uh, also carry on from uh, the Lions. They both did pretty well in terms of catching the ball. So uh, as from the backfield. So um, we're going to take a quick break on that. When we come back. I got a conf- uh, actually a divisional preview for you guys. And I'm going to wrap it up with another college football uh, conference preview as well. So y'all stay tuned. I will be right back. All right, y'all. We are back. And I got another divisional preview for you guys. Today, I'm going to be going over the NFC North. 
And in terms of last year's standings, the Vikings, of course, finished on top, 13-3. and They won the divisional playoffs against the Saints, 29-24. But then they lost the conference championship game to the eventual, eventual Super Bowl champion Eagles, 38-7. The Lions, they finished second with a 9-7 record. They were able to get a playoff spot for one of the first times in many years, but they lost in the wild card game 26-6 versus Seattle. Now, the Packers and the Bears made up the last two spots. And in terms of the Packers, of course, we already know and Aaron Rodgers spent you know, numerous weeks out. So whenever that happens, you pretty much count Green Bay out. That's just my opinion. And the Bears, they were breaking in a new quarterback, of course. You know that how that is. Uh, John Fox was on the hot seat. It was his last season. And defensively, they weren't necessarily that great. Uh, but, you know, moving on, let's talk about some offseason stuff. Uh, the Bears a- uh, added wide receiver Allen Robinson, also tight end Trey Burton, and another wide receiver, Taylor Gabriel. Now, this helps out Trubisky, in my opinion, tremendously. He already has a solid back uh, backfield tandem of Tariq Cohen. He also has Howard as out there as well. They both can run and catch the ball. So definitely he has weapons going into this year. The question is with them, I would I would ask is how good is that O-line? Can they keep him standing up? Let's see. They also added uh outside linebacker Ann Lynch and uh kicker Cody Parkey. They also gonna be bringing in a new head coach, Matt Nagy, to replace John Fox, their old head coach. Now in terms of who they lost, they lost two outside linebackers. Pernell McPhee and William Young. They also lost one of their guards, so this is why I question what's gonna what's their front seven gonna look like. Uh, they lost their guard Josh Sutton. Uh, they also lost another receiver, Cameron Meredith. But I think with Allen Robinson and Taylor Gabriel, they'll definitely make do without him. And they also lost their inside linebacker, Jarrell Freeman. In terms of rookies, they were able to get some depth. Uh, they were able to get inside linebacker Roquan Smith, so that's at least some depth, uh, some youth to replace Jarrell Freeman. They also got an offensive guard, James Daniels, so again, some youth to replace Josh Sutton, so that's, or Sitton, excuse me, so that's pretty good. And they also signed Anthony Miller, so overall, in terms of what they did this offseason, they had a pretty good offseason. Um, they, they, they made the pickups they were supposed to get they definitely got some outside linebacker help they definitely got some tacklers uh, and they definitely got help from Mitch Trubisky which is important for their offense so uh, moving on to Detroit uh, Detroit added um, tight end Levine Tiololo uh, they also got running back uh, Garrett Blunt they got defensive tackle Sylvester Williams and another tight end Luke Wilson oh they also got Deshaun Sned as well a cornerback uh, linebacker De- Devon Kennard and linebacker Christian Jones they also have a new head coach as well they got Matt Patricia who's a, who's the former uh, defensive coordinator for the New England Patriots so they they might have, they might have a legit shot this year too let's uh let's talk a little bit more about them though uh last offseason they also lost though uh one of their tight ends Eric Ebron uh defensive tackle Haloti Nagata uh, linebacker to hear Whitehead who's on my Raiders they also lost DJ Hayden and they also lost another one of their cornerbacks uh sorry their tight ends Darren Fells. Now, in terms of rookies, they brought in two major ones. They brought in Frank Ragnow, a center, and they also got Carrion Johnson. I talked about him a little bit just recently in terms of preseason action, and uh, he's definitely somebody who can run the ball and catch the ball. I'm already seeing that. Definitely somebody to look out for as a sleeper for your fantasy team, I think, too. Now, um, in terms of their offseason, I think they had a good offseason as well. They were able to sign a good head coach. Well, we don't know how good he could be at head coach, but 
definitely know he's a good defensive play caller. They added some some depth along the defensive, uh, everywhere on defense, really. Added a couple linebackers, uh, like I said, with uh, Devon Kennard and Christian Jones. So that's good there. Uh, they got two tight ends to replace Ebron. That should work out as well. And they also got another uh, power back, somebody who can get some yards. We don't know about Amir Abdullah's health. He has been injured the past two seasons. But uh, knowing him, he does have potential. Uh, like I said last night, they all average four yards a carry in their preseason game, which is definitely a good sign for a running game. Now, moving on to Green Bay, they added uh, tight end uh, Jimmy Graham. Defensive tackle Muhammad Wilkerson, quarterback Deshaun Kaiser, tight end Mercedes Lewis, and they also got a new defensive coordinator, Mike Pettit. Now, in terms of who they lost, they lost Jordy Nelson. He came to my Raiders. Uh, they also lost quarterback, a cornerback, excuse me, Demarius Randall. They lost safety, uh, safety Morgan Burnett, and also wide receiver Jared Jarris. Now, in terms of uh, rookies that they added, they added two, uh, two of their main ones were cornerbacks Jair Alexander and also Josh Jackson. Uh, in terms of what they did, I definitely think they did a good job. I think one of their main uh, weaknesses has always been their def- defense, specifically in the secondary. So they did add, they did do a good job drafting some new, two new guys there, getting some depth along there. Um, Jimmy Graham, I'm not too sure about that pickup per se. He didn't do a whole lot in Seattle, and he's pretty much going to be their number one target. And there's no way to see, there's no reason to say that he's not going to be the primary target now. I don't, well, they do have Randall Cobb, I still believe. Yeah, they still have Randall Cobb. But still, he's probably going to be the one of the prime targets. And I just, I'm just not 100% sure that he's just that productive of a guy anymore. Uh, I definitely like the Muhammad Wilkerson pickup. Definitely they get pressure and they get stout along that D-line. They're getting stout along that D-line, a place where they've always been pretty stout along. Um, one thing I I will question, though, is they also bring in a new, a new defensive coordinator. So you always got to, you know, ask about that, see how that turns out. You're never, it's never a foregone conclusion about how that goes. So, well, we're going to move on to the Vikings. Uh, they added quarterback Kirk Cousins. They added defensive tackle Shelton Richardson. They also added rookies Mike Hughes. And they also added, added offensive tackle Brian O'Neill and defensive end Jalen Holmes. They really didn't lose anybody of significant value. So, um... They added a lot of players to already stout team. Mike Hughes is already going to go to a secondary that consists of Harrison Ford. I'm not sorry, uh, Harrison Smith over there at the safety position, and he also got Xavier Rhodes over there at the cornerback position. In terms of Jalen Holmes, he's going to go to go to a solid defensive line that already has uh, all stars. So does Shelton Richardson. Um, and quarterback Kirk Cousins, I, I do like that pickup. He's been emerging the past few years, especially as a pocket quarter, pocket passer, which is the quarterbacks that pretty much win the championships. Um, I definitely feel that. And in terms of who I feel as a favorite, if I were to go at it today, I'm going to go with the Vikings again. They really didn't lose anybody too significant. Uh, they have, they're going in there with one of the best defenses already in the division. They just added a few more people. They're looking to be the best division in the conference. I don't see why not. They added a good quarterback. Um, and they also, my question is though, that I'm not a hundred percent assured of with them is their running game. I'm not a fan of Latavius Murray. So, 
Uh, if they're able to stay balanced on offense, they should be able to get it. But my dark horse, mm, this is an interesting one. Um, I originally went with the Packers, but I'm going to switch that up, and I'm going to go with Detroit. Uh, I think they added a, a couple good def- offensive players in terms of tight end. Uh, they already have a decent receiving core. Of course, Matt Stafford is there in place. Their offensive line has always been been adequate enough uh, to take them, and they've already been to the playoffs. I think they only get better defensively, of course. They brought in Matt Patricia Great head caller. He's, I mean, head. I mean, at least in terms of play calling defensively, he's a great defensive play caller. Now, can he carry over as a as a head coach? Possibly. They also have a couple of athletes. I'm going to go with Carryon Johnson here. I'm talking about Carryon Johnson here. They have a lot of things going for them. I think their running game is going to be definitely deep. You can't beat that. You can't beat that. So they are definitely a good dark horse for me. And a sleeper this year, believe it or not, I'm just going to go with the Packers. Um, you know, I think Aaron Rodgers is getting older. I, I mean, I do believe with the with the two picks that they got at safety, yes, they were two solid picks. Uh, however, they're rookies, so they still have to be developed. And, again, I don't know about that linebacker position. And I'm not 100% sure on that defense. So, uh, they could possibly turn some heads. But, as of today, I haven't probably finished in third in the, in the division, to be, to believe it or not. Uh, maybe second, but behind whoever wins uh, out of the Vikings or Detroit. Um so uh, with that being said, I'm going to take one last break, and I have one more preview to go through. We're going to go through some college football for a little bit. Uh, we're going to talk about the MAC Conference, a.k.a. the Mid-American. So y'all be back now. All right, y'all. We are back, and we got another college football preview for you guys. We're going to wrap everything up today with this. Today we're going to be talking about the Mid-American Conference, a.k.a. the MAC. And the MAC Conference is, is divided, just like many conferences are in the two divisions east and west now in terms of last year's standings in the east uh, akron finished out on top seven and six overall six and two in conference play ohio finished nine and four five and three in conference play then here comes buffalo six and six overall four and four in conference play at four we got miami of ohio not in florida five and seven overall four and four in conference play Balling Green comes in at 5, 2 and 10 overall, 2 and 6 in conference play. And Kent State uh, finishes at the bottom, 2 and 10 in overall play, 1 and 7 in conference. Now let's head on over to the Western uh, Western Division. Toledo finished on top, 11 and 3 overall, 7 and 3 in conference play. But they were able to win the conference uh, championship. Oh, excuse me. They finished seven and one in conference play. Uh, Central Michigan. They finished eight and five overall, six and two in conference play. Northern Illinois finished eight and five, six and two in conference play. Here comes Western Michigan, six and six, four and four in conference play. At five, we got uh, Eastern Michigan, five and seven, three and five in conference play. And then at the bottom, we have Ball State, who finished two and ten and zero and eight in conference play. Now, in terms of recruiting, uh, the three best teams in the MAC were Toledo, Western Michigan, and Bowling Green. Now, in terms of Toledo, uh, they finished with 21 commits, and they finished with a solid 60, number 65 ranking in the nationwide uh, in terms of recruiting. So that's very solid for a team in their in their conference. That normally that doesn't happen too much, uh, but they definitely recruit very well within their state. So let's break them down a little bit. Uh, they. They have 19 three-star recruits, including Connor Head, an offensive guard for Richfield, Ohio, and quarterback, pro-style quarterback, that is, 
named Cross Williamson from Wheeling, West Virginia. And he also brought in a defensive end from Cincinnati named Jamal Hines. So, like I said, very they, they got down very well in their home state. And that's a good state for talent. So, they're going to do really well. I think they should do very well next season and in seasons to come, especially, you know, with their recruiting. Now, in terms of Western Michigan, they were able to get 21, recruit, uh, 21 commits as well. 19 three-star recruits, including Will McCabe, defensive end from Palestine, Illinois, Austin France, uh, inside linebacker from Wayne, Indiana. Also, they got Antoine Reed, uh, an offensive tackle from Muscogon, Michigan. Now, finally, at number three in the conference, we got Bowling Green. Uh, They're in Kentucky, by the way. Now, they brought in 20 commits, 12 three-star recruits, including including Noah Massey, wide receiver from Houston, Texas. They also got Javon Henderson, defensive tackle from Dayton, Ohio. Uh, And they also brought in Cameron Sage, an offensive guard from Fort Lauderdale, California. I mean, so Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Excuse me. Now, um, the MAC is a is a different conference. It's one of those, like I said, it's one of those smaller conferences, and it's one of those conferences uh, that I, outside of maybe a couple teams, uh, more notably Ohio, that I don't necessarily cover as much until recently. I decided to uh, take up this podcast and start doing these, uh, you know, potential this this forecasting kind of stuff, being becoming calling myself an expert and analysis of this of this game. Um, so I'm I'm starting to get more into the conference now. For that reason, uh, so I, I'm not well versed as I would be with maybe the Pac-12 uh, in terms of picking out a, a favorite or a winner. Um, but through what I know now and just kind of what I've uh, come across and what I've been able to research and what I've been able to see in terms of highlights and everything like that. Um, at this point, I'm going to definitely go with Toledo. Uh, they were the last year's winner, of course. Uh, they've been a pretty consistent team in terms of uh, competing in the MAC throughout the least last five years. Uh, the question with them is they're going to be breaking in a new quarterback. It's uh, Logan uh, Woodside. Now, with that being said, though, they're going to be having the top receiving core in the conference. So he's definitely going to be having help next year. Uh, in terms of a dark horse, though, I'm going to have to go with uh, definitely Ohio. Now, Ohio has never had a losing season since 2008. With that being said, though, they haven't won this conference since 1968. So that's interesting as well. So that leads to tell me that, you know, they they have a pretty much a good they have pretty much a good team going into the year. But something along the ways, you know, they just, you know, they fall apart in some way. But last year, all three of their conference losses came by seven points or less. Now, with a team that's returning a lot of different starters and has uh, the best offensive line in the conference and bringing back the best running back in the conference and also having the best offense in the conference, there's no way I can't say that they can't challenge for this conference. Uh, they also have the second best uh, receiving core in the conference as well. However, they do need to fill some holes on defense. So that's going to be their main question, especially among the linebackers. And linebackers are important because they're the main tacklers. Uh, so definitely a, a solid dark horse for me. And in terms of a sleeper, um, I'm going to have to go with uh, Northern Illinois, but it, it'll have to be a tie for me, actually. I'm going to go with Northern Illinois 
and Buffalo. And the reason why I'm going to go with both of these squads, really, is because Northern Illinois is going to be bringing back six starters on a defense that only allowed 22 points, which is really solid. They can also be bringing back their starting quarterback as well. Now, Buffalo has a solid case as well. They're going to be bringing back their quarterback and one of their top receivers, Anthony Johnson. And they basically create uh, they basically created one of the best pass-catching uh, tandems in the conference. So, uh, and not just in the conference, of pretty much all the teams in the mid uh, the mid major conferences. So anybody not in the Power Five, they have one of the best uh, pass catching combos in all those schools, and that's a lot of different schools there. Uh, that's a lot of different coverage across the country. So to be the tops in, in that department, I think that's solid for them. And they're also bringing back a star, one of their uh, senior linebackers, uh, Khalil. Uh, Hodge, he's an All-American candidate, and their defense is going to be returning uh, eight starters, and they only allowed 24.8 points last year, so they're definitely a sleeper. I would say look out for them as well if you're a fan of this conference. All right, y'all, we're going to wrap it up for today. Uh, when we come back, uh, we do have some stories we want to do get into. Uh, I, oh, also I have a TV review that I want to uh, present to you guys. I've been working on it for a little while. I'm going to be going over the George Lopez show. I still got that surprise new review that I'm hiding. Um, we're working on. I'm working on that right now. So we have some projects to work on. We'll be back soon. And, and when we are, y'all going to know. All right, y'all. This is Never Out of Bounds. This is El Jamal, and I'm signing out for now. Peace out.